right now called Pass It On, and it's um, a series of sermons on how we pass on faith and the things that are critical to forming Christian faith to other people in our lives as we experience them. And I want to just start by saying, uh, Steph's book, Stay Curious, is awesome because Steph wrote it, and I'm proud of her. Um, But also, even if Steph hadn't written it, I think this would be a really important book for us to be thinking about reading during this kind of a conversation because this book is about the journey of real people in our community who are trying to ask questions that they have without being afraid to ask the questions, and then not just stopping at asking the questions, but actually searching out answers for those questions and going through this really difficult cycle of kind of deconstructing some parts of your faith understanding and then reconstructing it, not staying in the deconstruction, but actually reconstructing it. And from that place, then asking more questions and getting in the rhythm of feeling comfortable that the journey of following Jesus involves the process of asking questions and addressing doubts throughout our our whole lives. And that's the kind of community that we want to be as Mill City Church. And so I'd love it if you would read this book. And it would be an encouragement to Steph as well. And we have some here. So if you want to buy one, you can buy it on your way out. Um, But Please hear me say that even though we're incredibly proud of our pastor for writing a book, do you know how hard it is to write a book? It's really hard. But also, this is very appropriate for the conversation that we're having, and I hope that you'll pass it on as a resource to people you know who are Christians or not Christians who are struggling with questions and doubts in their lives. She won't ask you to do this, but can we give her a round of applause for writing a book? Today we're going to talk about passing on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ to other people, but I'd love to pray before we dig into the scripture. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know that you're present with us, and we pray this morning that you will encourage us, that we will feel drawn near to you in our relationship with you personally and collectively, and also that you would give us motivation and energy and passion for passing on this amazing relationship that many of us have discovered with you to other people in our lives. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was in junior high, uh, I would sit in church every Sunday morning. My grandparents had been in this church their whole lives. They owned a pew, right? I mean, they didn't own it, but they owned it, right? People knew not to sit there. That was our family pew. One Sunday I got gum stuck in the pew because I was not that smart, and it was not good. Grandma was not pleased with the gum in our pew, so we had to have that cleaned up. But I remember sitting there one Sunday, leaving through the Bible that I think I had at the time, and uh, telling my grandfather, "Um, I think I need a new Bible, Grandpa. And he kind of looks down at my Bible. It was this Bible, actually. And he's like, why? Why do you need a new Bible? I'm like, well, you know, look, it's just kind of, it's getting a little bit beat up, and it just, I think it's just time for a new Bible. And my grandfather pulls out his Bible that he's had for who knows how many years, probably decades. And he opens it up, and he just starts leafing through, and he says, Michael, look at this. This, this is um, marking all of the things that I've learned in the conversations that I've had with God over a really long period of time. And he would show me, like, here are the underlines. Here are the notes. Here are, like, the little Uh, you know, half pieces of paper that are jammed in some from some sermon or other. And they had questions on them. And and just by looking at this man's Bible, 
you could tell this wasn't just a book he read. This was a relationship he had. And he was teaching, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old me, like, you don't need a new Bible every time you get a couple of marks in it. This Bible is one way that you can have and mark the development of your relationship uh, with Jesus. And that st- struck me so much that I still have this Bible from 1990 in the, in the break. It says that my grandfather gave it to me in 1990. I don't know how long I had it before I started complaining about it, but uh, some period of time he said, no, 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 you don't get a Bible all the time. You mark your relationship with Jesus uh, through this. Some of you have similar stories like this where someone in your life didn't just tell you what they believed, they passed on what it was like to believe it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't just tell you, I think Jesus rose from the dead. They showed you how that had changed their life in some way, shape, or form. I think that is how faith, Christian faith, gets passed on. If you're a Christian, how did faith get passed on to you? Do you have a story like mine of some moment or series of moments or someone who's invested in you who took the time to actually say, not just this is what we believe, but how it's affected my life? Um, Sometimes, historically speaking, Faith falls off from generation to generation. And I think that's something we need to learn from. I want you to show you this slide from the Pew Research Center. It's five years old already. But um, in this slide, we'll post all these on the internet too if you want to look at them more carefully. It shows that if you're 65 or older, back in 2014, uh, 11% of people would say that they are unaffiliated with any sort of religious group. And if you're between 18 and 29, the group on the bottom, 34% of you are saying you're unaffiliated with any sort of religious group. And I would guess that these numbers are only getting bigger and bigger. Some of you have heard news that the number of people who are unwilling to affiliate with any particular religious view is growing, and in some places, extremely rapidly. Okay, now some, some people say that, look at that and say, well, you know, we're going to blame the young people for not wanting to be part of these religious traditions that we've had before. But I, my hunch is that something else is going on. My hunch is that some people are unwilling to affiliate because they're not sure they can ask the questions that they have of the religious groups that they've experienced with. Do you know how many people are shocked when either Pastor Stephanie or I tell them we're open to your questions? There's an assumption that people think churches and church leaders don't tolerate questions. That you come and listen to what we say and accept it for truth or go away. And that's just not the way that Jesus invites people to engage in relationship with him. We have a biblical example of this same thing. In Judges chapter 2, it says in verse 7, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, their leader, and the elders who outlived Joshua and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done in Israel. And then when you jump down to verse 10 in this chapter, it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now that was just one generation. And God did some crazy stuff in the life of Joshua and that generation. And so we cannot cannot assume that faith is somehow just going to pass on. Every generation 
needs to know who God is, see what God has done, and wrestle through the questions that they have. Uh, a, a professor named Dave Keen uh, articulated these three myths of how faith gets passed on to different people in a book he wrote called Passing on Our Faith. Myth number one, faith gets passed on by osmosis, if you don't know what osmosis is. Just the process of you being around it, it's just somehow going to sink in. If you just be around the church, if you're in the church from the time you're zero to the time you're 18, somehow Christianity will just kind of seep into your life. And he says, that's a myth. That's not actually how this is happening. Someone has to intentionally sit down with folks and share personally how faith is impacting their life. The second myth he names is that it's the job of professionals like me to pass on the faith. I love talking about my faith, and I try to take every opportunity I can, but do you know, I bet this is shocking to you, some people don't trust pastors. Some people, when they hear me say something about how Jesus impacts my own life, they might think, well, you, and you get paid to say that, right? And sometimes it's infinitely more powerful if someone who's following Jesus with their life and working as a plumber or a mom or an engineer or whatever, and they come up and say, but this is really why my faith is core to everything I do. It's authentic, it's believable, it's compelling. And myth number three, it's not really worth the effort to tell other people because people don't care that much, especially young people, they don't care that much. I think this is patently false. I think people care more than ever. I think people want to know what's going on in their own spiritual lives. I think people want to know who God really is and why that matters to them. I think people have deep questions that they can't find answers to. And they're interested in finding out people and communities that will help them find that sort of faith. I think faith gets passed on from person to person through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we intentionally share stories of how Jesus has personally transformed us, our communities, and our lives. Last week at the annual meeting, Tony, our new student director, was sharing this really brief story about how he was in church his whole life, and then in seventh grade, one person sat him down and took the time and said, has anyone ever really explained the gospel in, in sort of a 101 way to you? And no one had. And Tony tells that story as the moment, a moment that's transformative for the whole rest of his life, that now he's actually investing a good chunk of his leadership energy to create those kinds of spaces and camp settings and other places so that people can have those kinds of one-on-one -on -one conversations. We cannot let people, especially the people in the room, just pass by us in the hallway for years and years and never have an intentional conversation about why Jesus matters to you. Because faith doesn't get passed on that way. So I want to ask this morning, how might we pass on a personal relationship with Jesus to other people? I'll start by saying that Jesus models this for us, doesn't he? Jesus is constantly taking time to connect relationally, intimately with the Father. And he makes sure that other people see him doing that. He tells them when megachurches are about to pop up in his ministry, no, no, I have to go away and pray and have some quiet time and listen to what the Father is saying. Disciples, even though this thing is going great and all these people are being fed, we have to get away and listen to what the Father is saying to us. We have to rest and reconnect 
in this relationship because that's where the source of our life is coming from in the first place. Jesus, the perfect human being, God himself, takes time to cultivate that personal relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit throughout his ministry. There's lots and lots of examples of that in Scripture. So this personal relationship with Jesus is something that we have to cultivate in our own lives if we're going to pass it on to someone else, right? And maybe you're sitting there this morning and saying, I don't even really know what you mean by personal relationship with Jesus. Or I used to know that, and I haven't felt that my relationship with God is like that in a really long time. So I want to take a few moments and just talk about what does it mean to draw near to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, there's a wonderful text that talks about what Jesus has done to make it possible for us to be intimately connected with God. So let me read that for you, starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that, that's referring to the, the core, the center of the temple that only high priests were allowed to enter into in Jewish tradition. Since we now have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that, that center holy place was separated by a curtain. That is, Jesus' body is what allows us to go in there. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love, towards good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Will you put that first part of the scripture up for me, please? Let's look at this in a little more detail. There's like 19 commas in this first part before you get to the action. And the author is trying to say, in light of what Jesus has done for us, in light of the fact that Jesus did the impossible, that Jesus was a once-for-all sacrifice, that we used to sacrifice animals for our sin, but they never really took away our sin, did they? And now we have a sacrifice for sin. We have someone offering us mercy and grace and forgiveness that never ends and actually forgives us forever. We have somebody who's conquered all evil and death and sin and risen from the dead to prove that he has the power to do that and then invites us to enter into this space, in this temple, that literally one person from the community was allowed to enter once a year in the Jewish community. Do you see how radical it is for the author of Hebrews to say, everybody now gets to enter that space. Jesus' body is like this curtain being pulled back that we get to enter in that be the closest possible relationship with God anybody can imagine. That's for anyone who has faith in Jesus and accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then we have three let us statements in this text, starting in verse 22, and I'm going to focus mostly on the first one. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
and with the full assurance that faith brings. Let us continually, not just one time, let us continually draw near to God with our hearts, not just with our heads, not just with our actions, but with like love, relationship, personal, intimate engagement with the God of the universe. In light of what Jesus has done, let us draw near with our hearts so we can be connected to who Jesus is and what God wants for us. God desperately wants us to draw near with the core of who we are. He wants us to live in his presence, to experience God's love, grace, mercy towards us. Now, I don't know if your life is like mine, but I just don't always feel like I'm drawing near to Jesus. And so I spent a good amount of time this last week starting to think about how, what does drawing near even mean? What does, what does that look like? And, and I started making a list, and I want to share the list with you, and then I want you to add to the list, okay? You think of something that helps you to draw near in your experience as a Christian to Jesus. I made a list of a handful of things that I want to talk to you about. So one way for me that it looks like to draw near to Jesus is by having prayerful conversations with God. Now, let me tell you about why that's so important. There's sometimes seasons of my life, I don't know if yours, where you, you can't really remember the last time you actually had an honest conversation with God. You've said prayers. You've prayed at dinner. You've prayed with other people. You've heard people pray up here. But that doesn't mean you really talk to God, right? Like when you're driving and there's nobody else there, years ago, because I'm older, years ago, if you talked out loud in your car, people might call the police. There's someone just gabbing away down the freeway. Now you can talk all you want and everyone will just think you're on your cell phone. Having an honest conversation with God while you're driving, saying, God, here's what's actually happening in my life. Here's what I'm happy about. Here's what I'm angry about. Here's where I'm confused. Here's why I feel like you're near to me or distant to me. Here's, here's what I can't straighten out. These are my doubts and my questions and my fears. To have honest conversations like that is part of what it means to enter the Holy of Holies with Jesus. To have a personal relationship where you're actually talking to the God of the universe and allowing the God of the universe to speak back to you and influence you. We'll get back to that part in a minute. A second thing that I think um, is on the slide here is confession. So this text in Hebrews is saying, here are all the things that Jesus did in order to free you from your sin. And yet many of us feel regularly weighed down by our sins, don't we? Regularly we feel weighed down by our guilts and the shame that come with some of the things that we've done or have been done to us. And that's nothing that God wants for us. And so drawing near to Jesus means confessing your sins out loud to yourself and God, maybe to someone you trust while you're worshiping here as you're coming to take up communion. But saying to God, I need you to forgive me and set me free. So I feel it. Not just the idea that God's not holding sins against me, but so that I feel it in my gut and I don't feel weighed down by the things that I've done wrong because Jesus paid way too much for us to be weighed down by that, right? So draw near and, and utilize this space that I've created and confess what you need to confess so you can be set free. That's what it means to draw near to Jesus. 
for me, one of the most intimate ways that I connect to God is through songs. I'll be driving down the road, and if I catch the right song, I just start crying. I'm sure that's what you thought about me as I'm standing up here in front of you. Just this last couple weeks, I've been listening to this song by uh, Will Regan, United Pursuit, that's titled Take a Moment. Look it up. It's a great song. The song just says the same thing over and over again. Like, Take a moment to remember who God is and who you are. And then it goes on to talk about how the, the weight of Jesus, the yoke of Jesus, is light. I don't feel stressed. I don't feel worried. I know there's things wrong in my life and in the world, but I'm with God and we're going to do something and it's going to be great. To listen to that song, and I'm, I'm weird, like I'll listen to the same song on a 20-minute drive just on repeat over and over and over. But I can feel my, I feel it when my emotions are connecting to God and not just my head. Anybody else? I feel it when a song gets to me, whether we're singing it here on Sunday morning or I'm listening to it on my own. I feel it uh, when we're standing in front here together and sometimes I'm just overcome by emotion. For me, music helps me connect to Jesus and draw near to Jesus. Stories are a huge way that we connect to Christ. Whenever we're all together, even in a class that I was teaching this morning, and we have an opportunity to say, here's my story, here's how this has actually worked out for me, and people are vulnerable and say, these are the ups and downs that I've gone through in my Christian faith, that's so powerful, isn't it? And with a group of pastors this week, I took 20 minutes and I listened to a story with them that we had recorded at a seminary about this woman who grew up a Mormon and had struggled with a bunch of different things and then talked about how her relationship with Jesus, how she discovered Jesus, and how that's literally saved her life given some of the things she was experiencing. And, and all these pastors are sitting around the table and we listen to the story for 20 minutes and the half of them are crying. Because it's so moving to not just hear doctrines and beliefs and this is what we think, but to actually hear how that's impacted somebody's life, you can give the gift of helping someone else to draw near to you, draw near to Christ. Scripture is a, a huge way in which we can have that two-way conversation with God, where we pray and say, God, here's what's really going on in my life, and you read a text like Hebrews, and you read a line like, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This week for me, that line hit me like Jesus was looking me in the eyes and saying, as you think about the next year of ministry life, let us consider how we can spur each other on to love and good deeds. Doesn't that sound like something we could focus on? Let us consider how the church of Jesus Christ could be known for doing love and good deeds in 2020. Don't you think that would be helpful? Sometimes the words just jump off the page at you. Other times, it takes days and weeks to really feel like it's alive. But engaging with Scripture is one of the ways that Jesus invites us to draw near. And, and one more. For some of you, I know that this is where your faith has come alive. When you've gotten out of your own context, out of your own home, out of your own friend group, out of your, even your church setting, and started to give your life to other people, to serve, to work for justice, to engage in causes that you believe in. Some of you have told me stories about how by getting out and using those gifts and fighting for things that you believe God cares about, your faith comes alive, right? That you feel like you're near to Jesus when you're doing those things. 
And if you don't do them, if you hold off from them, if, you're, if your schedule's too busy, it's hard for you, the way you're built, to draw near to Jesus and feel close to him. We have so many examples in Northeast Minneapolis of our partners who are doing great work with people that we know Jesus cares a ton about from how he spent his time in his ministry. Elam Church down the, the road working with Hope Avenue and people who are experiencing homelessness. Claire Housing working with people who are experiencing HIV and AIDS and many of you have connected to them. The Little Kitchen Food Shelf and serving people who aren't always sure if their refrigerator is going to be full. Uh, missional communities that are engaged with people that probably those folks wouldn't engage with if they weren't gathering as Christians and going out. And all of those people tell us stories about how they come alive and they feel close to Jesus when they're doing those things. Now, what would you add to this list? When you think about how you personally, in your, in your gut, draw near to Jesus, when you felt really close to God, what was that like? What were you doing? How did that change you? This is a big part of what we need to pass on to other people. We've got to be in touch with our own intimate relationship with Jesus, not just a set of ideas, not just a set of beliefs, not just a way of doing church that we want to pass on to the next generation. We want people to be connected with Jesus, don't we? And a way of living in the world that transforms us to think and act in a way that's defined by Jesus' way of life. That's what it means to have faith and live as a Christian person in relationship with Jesus. So do other people see us personally relating to Jesus? Are there spaces in your everyday life where whatever it is that helps you connect with Christ, other people can see that? That's a question that I've been wondering. I've started asking my kids as they go to bed, where did you see Jesus today? Did you notice Jesus being with you? Did you think Jesus was present? And they mostly look at me bewildered. But I think over time, like training all of us to say, yeah, we're watching for that, and we're talking about it, and we're sharing stories, and we're thinking about how it's changing our lives on a regular basis can be very helpful. Here's a few quick ideas of how I think you can pass on this personal relationship with Jesus that you have to other people. First, um, ask people, listen, ask people to share their own spiritual journeys with you. Start there. Try to cultivate relationships to the point where it's okay for you to say to someone, what's your spiritual life been like? What experiences have you had? What beliefs do you hold? Ask questions about where they see God in their own life and invite them to know that you are a, a trustworthy person who can hold those stories. Cultivate your own personal relationship with Jesus. If you're sitting here today and you know, it's just been a while since I felt close to Jesus then please re-engage with some of the things we just talked about or whatever it is that helps you to re-engage with Christ. Because without a, a live, cult, uh, cultivated relationship with Jesus, it's hard to pass it on, right? Attend to that first. And then, as you're attending to that, share stories with other people. Be open about it. Be vulnerable. This is how Jesus makes a difference in my life. And, and be willing to share that with other people. I think when we're just open and inviting of the Holy Spirit, say, give me an opportunity to talk about this, seems like those opportunities pop up. I'm going to close with a story, so I'll invite the band to come up while I tell the story. A number of Sundays ago, a young, a young man in our congregation stopped me after the sermon, and he said, 
Yeah, that sermon really encouraged me to pay attention to my coworkers and where there might be opportunities to build relationship and potentially even share my faith with my coworkers. And so I asked for the coworker's name, and he told me, and I said, I'll pray with you for this. Let me know how it goes. A couple weeks later, I get this email. It's a super short email. It just says, uh, good news, pastor. Last night, I prayed with my coworker on my front porch, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Thanks. Just wanted you to know. That was it, real short. And I was sitting at, the, at my computer early in the morning reading this like, oh my gosh, isn't that amazing? And how is this email so short? So this last week, I was able to call him up and say, can you tell me the fuller version of the story? I would love to hear how this, how this unfolded. And so he graciously shared this story with me this week and said I could share parts of it with you. So he talked about building relationship with coworkers, uh, a regular rhythm of eating with coworkers just for lunch and, and sharing stories about their lives. He talked about how when he shared stories about what he was doing with his life, being part of church and how his Christian faith influenced his relationships and the way he was living, other coworkers were interested in that, sometimes offended by that. And one, one gentleman in particular uh, became particularly interested in figuring out more about why he was living his life the way he was living it. And this particular coworker was part of Alcoholics Anonymous and talked about that in his conversation and said, you know, I'm, I'm searching for what this higher power in AA really means for me. I know there is a higher power, but I'm not quite sure what that higher power is like. And so uh, one of this young man in our congregation and another coworker who was a Christian ended up giving this person a Bible, helping them read the book of Luke, having regular conversations with them, answering questions, finally inviting them over for dinner. And, and this is really where the, the crux of the story is. They're sitting on this porch after dinner, and the, the person who's curious about Jesus asks them, so what, what, what does this mean for you? Tell me about why this matters in your own life. And both of these, these young men who've been developing this relationship with this guy could immediately say, let me tell you about the ways in which Jesus has been present in my life, especially in the hardest parts of my life. Let me tell you where I got to some really broken places and how God helped me to move forward from those broken places and how I feel hope and I feel freedom in my connection with Jesus Christ in a way that I never imagined possible before that. And I think it's the personal stories of these two people talking about the intimate relationship they have with Jesus Christ that helped that guy then say to them, how do I get what you have? Nothing fancy, no, no 10-point apologetics lecture, just a real, honest, authentic conversation about wow, how Jesus had really impacted their lives. And that man, at that moment in his life, said, I would love to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Will you pray with me? Don't you think there might be lots of opportunities in our everyday lives to pass on our faith to people? Don't you think people are hungry to hear not just what you believe, but how it impacts your life? I know that it's risky to talk to people in workspaces and families and neighborhoods about this kind of stuff. 
But I'm wondering, how is anybody going to see what it's like to have an intimate relationship with Jesus if we don't ever tell them or don't ever let them see how that impacts us? So I'm encouraging you today. Let's begin by sharing our stories. Let's begin by listening to the stories of other people. Let's be ready to tell people simple things like, here's why I'm a Christian. Here's the difference that Jesus makes in my life. I hope that you'll leave today, and even as we take communion, feeling like you can draw near to Jesus yourself. That Jesus desperately wants to be in intimate relationship with you, and if you have felt far away, I'm hopeful today is a moment where you can start entering back into that most holy place where Jesus can convince you again how much Jesus loves you, how much forgiveness is offered to you, how much freedom is waiting for you in relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we can't even wrap our minds around what you have done for us. We just can't fully grasp it. But in what we can understand, we are unbelievably grateful that you have done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and that you have the audacity to ask us to enter the most holy place, the closest place in relationship with you so our hearts and our minds and our bodies can be transformed by our relationship with you. Help us to experience that today and this week and help us, God, to look with your eyes for opportunities to pass that on to other people. It's in the name of your precious son we pray. Amen.